Okay. Switch. Switcheroo. The old switcheroo. Turn on the old switcheroo. <laughs> I don't know what voice that is. That but... reminded me of Jack Nicholson that I just watched him in The Departed again. You could watch that over and over. I completely agree. Like that is just a staple. Every... It's like any one of those movies, <laughs> like one of those, there's a lot of movies like Tombstone and The Departed. Oh, yeah. Like, they could just come on on cable TV mm -hmm. mid-movie. Yeah, and it just doesn't matter. Stop watch what it. you're doing. Just watch it. Every time I watch The Departed, and it's usually a couple years between viewings, and I've seen it, like, you know, played it as a current up until now. And every time I watch it, I go, okay, now I get what happened. Mm -hmm. Like, I think finally I've got my head around the, the storylines between Damon mm -hmm. and, uh, let's see, Matt Damon and uh, Leonardo. DiCaprio. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I don't, probably for three years, I watched that movie only vaguely understanding the storylines and who was a good guy and who was a bad guy. Mm -hmm. And like, I, so who's the, who's the good guy? Well, to, to me, DiCaprio is the yeah, good guy. Yeah. 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 But I, I mean, it took me, like I said, it took a few years before I realized they were paralleling the two of them rising in the ranks of the places they were trying to infiltrate. Yes, yeah. And I thought like, oh, how thick headed am I that I didn't pick up on that? You know, the first couple times I watched this, um, but yeah, yesterday or this week I watched it in a couple installments and even so, still. What was your take on it? Like your fresh take on it? What did um, you think? Well, let's see. They hit on lying a lot. Um, the rat. The rat obviously. theme is big. Uh, and like it's lying to other people, but also lying to yourself is kind of a theme self-deception uh matt damon's love interest the psychologist girlfriend it's interesting like watching her navigate she's lying to him about mm -hmm. you know having an affair with dicaprio and possibly the whole his thing baby. i think is about self-deception that's yeah the whole that's thing. a pretty good synopsis of it you're right because she gets so upset when she finds out that damon has been lying about his yeah, role in like, all this you've been sleeping like, with you... another guy <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i mean it's uh yeah one of my favorite lines in that is when he's talking about i think he says freud freud said you know what the freud freud said about the irish and he said yeah that you're impervious to psychoanalysis you're oh. the only people impervious oh, to psychoanalysis right. yeah, yeah. That's the and, line, yeah. and then eventually gets to another line where he says they're lying in bed and he says you got to get out matt damon yeah, to the yeah. girl uh -huh. because uh i'll, I'll stay here in I'll, this. I, i'm irish i live my whole life with things not being right you yeah. know uh -huh. yeah that's pretty good writing it is good writing the other thing that always stands out to me in that movie is like you know when they talk about somebody being a man of their time like that's a movie of its time because there was only in technology a real short window where they got out of pagers into cell phones, which played a huge role mm -hmm. in that movie, but specifically T9 texting cell phones yes. so that they can text in their pockets. And then like, I don't know, less than a year after that movie comes out, it's all touch no, screens. Nobody and does QWERTY. <laughs> So yeah, every time I watch that, I'm like this, this could only happen at that point in history. Like it doesn't age well in that way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's funny though how some oh this was maybe this is a dad hack. Okay. I've been researching this will be my first dad hack. Second one has more relevance to what we're talking about today, but this one I've been researching different screenplay writers and um just 
I do that a lot. Just like I, I like to listen to, I love to listen to like Joe Pesci talk about working with Scorsese. Ooh. So if you go on YouTube shorts, there's a lot of him talking about the process of just working with Scorsese and mm. developing these iconic scenes. And so it's both writers and actors, but I like to listen to writers. And there's this one writer who is talking about writing for TV. Mm. And one point would be Scorsese said, I think he, he decided early on that he wouldn't write for, for TV because he knew he was going to be portraying the world he kind of grew up in, which was violent and, it was it was the streets and he was like i knew i couldn't yeah i couldn't really show that on tv cuz it's just too violent mm -hmm. so that's why that's why he got into film is cuz he was like this is the only place i could show an r rated film um likewise this lady was talking about great screenplays and specifically great tv pilots so she started listing all these great tv pilots that she was like oh they're the best and it was all like early stuff for us, like in the seventies and eighties that mm -hmm. was obscure that I'd never even heard of. And then I went back and watched some of them. Cause I just thought, really, can it be that good? Yeah. And they were that good. Like one of them was uh wise guy. Do you remember the show? Mm -mm. So if you look up 86 to 1990, it ran on CBS. And if you watch the pilot for that, it's interesting. Jonathan Banks from breaking bad, do you know? Mike, the character Mike on Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah. He, it's one of his first roles, and he's he's no like kidding. a young man in it. Well, not young; he's probably well, thirty. I've seen pictures of him in that time, and you're right. Like, and if you look at him, he looks so different; you don't even recognize him. But if you just hear his voice, it's like, oh yeah, that's Mike from Breaking Bad. Um, there was another one, Miami Vice. I, I haven't watched that one yet, but she was like, that's that's a great pilot. Oh, and then like to watch the original. Fun, yeah. And then, oh gosh, what was the other you one? Oh, Tubbs. Hill Street Blues. Yeah. You ever watch that? Uh, No, I just know the name. I don't, like, it's I one of those I assume that I, I've seen. And then when, I, when you asked me just now, I thought, actually, no. I had <laughs> never even heard of it, but if you watch... So this is like all free on YouTube and Amazon. So if you're bored with whatever TV you're watching now... Go on there and watch some of these old pilots, specifically the pilots, but like sometimes they kind of went downhill after that, but the pilots were amazing. Hmm. Like, and they do have things like that, you know, it's in the 80s, it's in the 70s, yeah. little aged, mm -hmm. but the writing and the acting and everything about it, you can totally see why, oh, that was a hit, you know? Just looking at early pictures of Jonathan Banks and I'm like, huh, yeah, that is a different guy. It's a different guy. I... I recognize 80s so the, Jonathan So the Banks. dad hack in this is you could watch these shows, but it's Jonathan Banks. So that guy held out to his career for 30 years before he got somewhere. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, Wise Guy was a pretty big hit, mm -hmm. but he was not a big actor. Like, he was, right. a, he was a nobody. Mm -hmm. And he probably, I don't know what he did, but that's just like, that's amazing to think like, he stuck it out for 30 years before he mm -hmm. finally, and then he got that Breaking Bad and his character, Airman Trout, yeah. Mike Airman Trout, was, was like coincidentally written into Breaking Bad. Mm -hmm. They didn't plan on him originally in the script. Right. There was something came up with like a scheduling conflict with the other actors and they needed to fill some space. And no kidding. Yeah. The, uh, the writers just came up with that character in the middle of the season. I thought... You were just saying like, yeah, he wasn't going to be a pivotal role 
No, he wasn't even yeah, going to be in it. It's kind of like Saul also. I mean, Odenkirk was so good in that role that they yeah. kind of they found like there was some heat there and they developed more of it. So I'm sure the same thing's true with with Airman Trout that was not even a part of it. I think if you can look up uh videos with Vit, Vince um is it Gilligan? Gilligan, yeah. He talks about the he'll, he he told a story about where that came from and I think it came from like an earlier film or idea and i think he always wanted to use that name for some reason like mike ermintrout was like always his name he wanted to use and he was just looking for an excuse to like put it into a, a show but yeah so those old shows man i've been having a lot of fun i want i can't wait to watch miami vice but she said miami vice pilot episode is as good as it gets as far as writing for tv did she say what the, what the trick was I mean, like, was there some kind of... There's a lot to it. One of the things is writing for beats. So, like, writing for... Sick beats. Sick beats, Sweet. you know. No, like... like uh drops. As you're writing, thinking about commercial breaks. Oh. So you're writing yeah. in a way that you're like, I kind of know a certain yeah. amount of time has gone by. And so it's like acts. It's writing an so acts where it's like act one, act two, act three. Everything needs like, to end with this kind of, oh, what's going to happen next? With the commercial And she did mind. make a good point. You see with like video on-demand services now, mm -hmm. you kind of lose that. Yes. And some of the shows that kind of tank, it, it's because it just kind of goes on and on and on. And it doesn't, it doesn't have enough like gripping like beat to like keep you interested. That was her point. And I think she's right. Yeah, it, that's true in music too. Like a well-arranged song has great dynamic builds at the right times. You know, yep. you can't you can't stay lukewarm. I did see Wilco the other day. Oh. And <laughs> they would be the only ones that kind of break that formula. Yeah. You know, that they specifically, you know, the one song they do where they just hit the, hit the, there's a, there's a part, there's a punch in the song that they just hit over and over and over. And when they do it live, they do it like 50 times. They like do it oh, they do. to the point yeah. that the audience is like waiting for him to stop and he just keeps going. But that's a master. You know, yeah, that's it's a little different. Yeah. They're still good. That's good. It was a good show. I had a buddy that was excited. Like I saw him the day of, he was excited to go to it, but he didn't invite me. So. My wife and I, like when we go to Wilco shows, we like to like look for minorities. So like. She's like the only Asian there. And I was like, you know, you're going to be the only Asian at the show. And she's like, there'll be another one. There'll be another one. Maybe and so one, we're sitting yeah. at the entrance, like waiting for something other than a white dude to walk in the door. <laughs> a white dude in vans or what? Vans with a mustache. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh gosh. And those clear frame glasses. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's funny too. If you say like, if you say something like, okay, Wilco, their audience is like 95% white men. Yeah. In your mind, you if you didn't know anything about Wilco, you would think, well, that must be like a Southern rock totally. kind of like yeah. Leonard Skinner kind of vibe. No, and you no. go, no, 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 the no, other no. Kind this of is the guy. other kind of white guy. Yeah, the Subaru driving white guy. <laughs> it's, like, yeah. it's like the white guy that would be completely horrified if you pointed out the fact that all of them are at the show. Not, not the Toyota Tundra <laughs> with the American flag tinted window. Yeah. We're talking about the other. And I'll point yeah. out, I was at the show. I'm one of those guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're... And I love Skinner. I'm just a complicated yeah. man. <laughs> Don't put him in a box. Well, uh, we, and eventually we saw my buddy, Steve came and he's African-American. So it was oh, like, okay. yeah. and then another Asian walked in and I told Steve, you're probably still going to be the only one. He's like, he was like, the no, <laughs> there'll be another one. 
Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe it was. I don't know, but yeah, that's no, funny. It's my, the whitest NPR crowd in the world. Oh, my buddy just William goes to completely Wilco. fits the description we just gave. Yeah, and I mean that in the most loving way. But like William, if I mean if you were to put me in a, like if you were to put William in a lineup with the rest of the people I was hanging out with that day, and you go, which one of those guys is going to Wilco? <laughs> that guy right there i know which one i thought about wearing my stetson and i didn't oh, man. and then like too many guys were wearing that same stetson and i was really like kind of like i think that's past i'm glad yep. i'm glad they kind of mm -hmm. let that go yep. you know so welcome to the conspiracy dad podcast where we talk about uh music and talk films 80s and sitcoms 80s sitcoms <laughs> uh my name is dante your 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 coast or your coast Coast to coast, coast to coast, host, host. With the most. Your host with my co-host. So raise a toast, Mr. Dave Hayes. I gave him your last name. Now the CIA is going to uh -oh. be on you. Well, after this podcast, you want to hear a funny CIA story? Okay. <laughs> They're listening. I'm sure. I don't know. Maybe not. they don't care about us. Um, a buddy of mine does work for the agency. This is he's not going to care. He might he might not want to talk. I don't know. But I saw him the other day. And uh, we were doing something and somebody brought up that his boss was at this event that we were at. And I said, your boss? And he's like, yeah, like my other boss. And I said, like, like your Langley boss? And he was like, yeah, he's here. And I was like, can you put in a word for me? <laughs> he's like, what? <laughs> I said, dude, I'm just saying, if you need like a Patriot musician to like go oh, do something yeah, music yeah, related yeah. somewhere, uh -huh. I'm your guy. I'm your guy. And he did tell me, he's like, I'm gonna keep that in mind. And I think he meant it in the most sarcastic way. <laughs> it's, hard, it's hard to know if he's a good agent. You, but you then I know. thought, then I thought, like, if I really did want to go work for an agency, this is a perfect cover. A guy and, that like, always. Well, yeah, seemed, like yeah. the conspiracy guy. Like, well, obviously, I wouldn't work for an agency. Is that Mockingbird that yeah. is the kind of like spin up weird? I'd be a double stuff. agent from the conspiracy dad perspective. It's, yeah, it's, it's all of the. I mean, kind of what you've been going on with with these UFOs, psyop, you know. I'll be honest, stuff. and they this will get me disqualified. I would only want in so that I could find out about the aliens. Like I do love America. <laughs> uh -huh. I do want us to uh, lead win. and 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 win. But my real motivation would be, I got to see those files, man. <laughs> and I'll do anything to see those files. <laughs> I want. To be in the agency just so I can see stuff that Grush is not allowed to see. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, and I want to see it. And then I want to like lord that over Grush. Yeah, and be like, oh, don't. Yeah, I can't tell you about Sorry. that. Sorry. Sorry. Top top yeah. secret. Well, there is stuff that you can't see. What do you think <laughs> about that, Grush? I, something tells me you and I just wouldn't be invited to those parties. I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> my my first inclination is just think, to tell uh, if I experience anything weird, my first thing I do, like most people probably keep it to themselves. I'm literally like writing songs about it and telling everyone. <laughs> like, you won't believe what crazy thing happened. That's true. You're you're pretty transparent in terms of what's top of I'm mind. I'm like the opposite yeah. of a spy. <laughs> unless it was all a cover. It's yeah. like it's like when Joe Rogan, when uh, what was it? He was talking about a uh, Sturgill Simpson. He, oh, Willie Wheeler Walker Jr. Mm -hmm. was telling Rogan that he thinks that Sturgill Simpson's FBI, 
or CIA. That'd be awesome CIA. Yeah. And then he's like, "Why do you think that?" He's like, "Well, I brought it up to him once, and he's never talked to me since." <laughs> so I don't know. I I I I promise I'm not working for any agencies. I'm too crazy. Yeah. Gosh, where would you find the time? You're pretty accessible. I mean, agent. if they just needed me to like dose somebody or plant something, like I could just you be can... like, I'm playing a show in Amsterdam this weekend and then, uh -huh. you know, walk by somebody's thing. I could do it. Well, now that like uh, when I first met you, you were traveling a lot doing youth camps. And so that actually cover, yeah. like these, they've used religion a lot to uh, infiltrate and particularly like all kinds of countries. A church like the Catholic church that's like just Jesuits. worldwide. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a just Catholic uh, jab. <laughs> but there are a lot of us that feel like the Jesuits might just be like a CIA infiltrated organization. Eh, I don't know. I don't have any evidence. I'm just saying. I don't know. I'm just certain that that's the case. I'm certain that that's the case. <laughs> um, so my second dad hack will lead us into the conversation oh, we're talking about okay. today, yeah. which is sugar. Mm -hmm. So this is for dads who are dad coaches and this is something i thought Not of one that coaches other dads but dads who happen to coach yeah dads yeah. who are being dads coaching their kids in sports mm -hmm. and i thought of this earlier this week or two weeks ago and so uh a oru they did the thing where every time they'd get on first they'd give them a gummy worm i don't know if you saw that no. it was like a team thing it was funny i saw that and i was like ooh nine-year-old boys like that's love that, yeah. and so i bought three like green fanny packs for the coaches <laughs> and i filled them full of gummy bears and i sat the kids down and i said uh your coaches have the team's called the sliders uh -huh. this is a slider pack and it's filled with slider snacks and if you do something that a coach likes you get a slider snack and they're all Great. just like just freaking yeah. out you know and i was like if you if you get a play slider snack if you're paying attention, slider snack, you know, so get as many as you can, guys. Your coaches are waiting. And so then Teddy was working on his pitching uh -huh. and first 10 pitches and it was all over the place. And it was the first time I implemented the plan. Okay. And I stopped him. I walked over and I said, all right, the next 10 pitches, every pitch you throw for every pitch in a row that you get, you get a gummy bear. And it was unbelievable. Like, I'm not kidding. Like, just like literally, he threw eight straight strikes in a row. Perfect. <laughs> like, like immediately. And the thing I thought was, I could have walked up to him and said, for eight, every pitch that you make here going forward, I will give you a dollar. And he would have been like, eh, whatever. I could have said $10 and he probably would have been like, eh. But if I said gummy bear, I'm getting that gummy bear. Like high fructose corn syrup will motivate a nine-year-old boy like nothing else in the world. So. And that's part of the problem. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's, yes. that's, which leads us into what we're talking about today, yeah. which is sugar and the conspiracy to uh, poison and fatten Americans for the big sugar lobby. To an early grave. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a whole nother scam. You can't even die for free. Oh. Yeah. No, you know? it's very expensive. It's to all die, a scam. Particularly in the last. I week. know, because I get that funeral money. That's <laughs> funeral money. <laughs> Holla. <laughs> Oh, I, it's just being honest. I get that funeral money. <laughs> so, 
so Dave, why don't you tee up our, gummy bears. our conspiracy against the okay, big, well, that um, damn sugar lobby. When I got into this conspiracy debt podcast, if somebody would have get, said, you're going to talk about big sugar, like, you know, we, we've been at this for six months or so now. Um, I would have said, I don't, why would I do that? We're talking UFOs. We're yeah, talking that's not sexy at all. And, um, and then also, you know, my wife's not much of a conspiracy person, um, but she does have an allergy to gluten. Uh, and she made the comment, my mom was trying to be nice. She made Rice Krispie treats for my family. Uh, and my mom trying to be creative. Rice Krispies are gluten-free. Gluten-free Cheerios, however, <laughs> despite the fact that they have this <laughs> gluten-free logo on their box, are not gluten-free. So my mom trying to like pizzazz up these Rice Krispie treats, put in these gluten-free Cheerios. And my wife happened to mention, I can't actually have those. Mm. And she said, it's because Cheerios puts all this, they fund all this stuff for like celiac research and for gluten-free just to buy them off so they can say that so that they can get a little logo to put on their box so a lot of people that are trying to avoid gluten just for other kind of so that's legit like if she ate that she's she would she would have a reaction she would yeah she would know that she ate gluten if she had that so so it legitimately has gluten and it says gluten-free yeah that's nuts so that's what piqued my interest and then like two days later you and i are hanging out and you kind of went on this rant i don't know if you can reproduce kind of rattle off the same things you said but what caught my attention you go one in particular you said well glaucoma is just too much sugar in your yeah, eyes yeah no and- it was a it was a video that somebody tagged on twitter that i saw that was like yeah too much sugar in a young child's brain is ADHD. Too much sugar in an adult's brain is dementia. Too much sugar in your eyes is glaucoma. Too much sugar in your skin is aging. Too much sugar in your body is inflammation and cancer. Too much mm. sugar. I mean, it went down the list of yeah. like all these medical things and it was like, sugar is the problem. Like if you just didn't eat so much sugar. We consume, I mean, compared to like pre-World War II, Excuse me. Um, we consume something like twelve times the amount of sugar that we used to. So I, I would to, even guess it'd be more than that. It's something like we. I mean, we used to eat something like you know a pound in a, in a month. Or gosh, I I wanted to have this at the ready, but it was something like a pound a, a month. Less. And then now it's something like fifty pounds a year. I mean, it's like 50 pounds of sugar. It would take us years to like, anyway. And I know liver, like, yeah, like all kinds of like liver failure and stuff is like on the rise, Mm -hmm. like on a massive way. Yeah. And some of that's like alcohol related, but a lot of it's just diet. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the common, I mean, yeah, alcohol is, is sugar. I mean, getting inebriated is, is kind of just a very extreme sugar rush. Yeah. Um, and Which yeah, why is why it leads to a lot of diabe- diabetic exactly yeah people, diabetic yeah. Um, goodness it it didn't take long for me to like start looking into this to just find a wealth of shady business yeah from the sugar industry um, so as early as 1942 all of these sugar farmers sugar cane specifically is what we're talking about like dextrose sucrose corn syrup that type of sugar white sugar um, and and some of the comments I heard gummy bear sugar gummy bear sugar is 
totally what we're talking about. Um, we're not talking about like a scoop in your coffee in the morning. We're talking about like uh, peanut M&Ms by the bowlful like I eat at the end of my day. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this started to really come into the public eye. Uh, late 40s, more mid 50s, Dwight D. Eisenhower has a heart attack. And it's right in the middle of the early 50s where nationally we're starting to get a sense of like, why is everybody having heart disease for seemingly hmm. no reason? And it's because, I mean, some doctors would say it's because of this giant uptick around that time in processed sugar getting just injected by like crazy into our foods. Mm -hmm. um, you think about like Mad Men era type times. That's when, you know, bowls of sugary cereal are for the kids being marketed all the time. Um, you know, frozen dinners, lots of sugar and, you know, just everything is just processed sugary foods. Um, and again, there there was a little cut on a podcast I listened to of a soundbite of somebody going like, five out of ten men will suffer from heart disease and we have no idea why. <laughs> um so I don't know how familiar you are with uh, John Yudkin, but he's a doctor that uh, around that time started really looking into this. And his position was that white sugar was was the reason. Um, his book was called uh, Pure, White, and Deadly. But were they eating more sugar then than we are now or less? No, we're eating even more now. Yeah. Yeah. So how are we staving off the, the, the heart attacks? I don't know if it's development of other medical i mean we i think what it is and this is speculation we have developed a lot of medical technology to keep us alive yeah in the pharmaceutical industries to fight right? the thing that's just really a dietary issue so yeah. right, exactly so i mean like my uh i've got people in my family that have diabetes that aren't like obese i mean they could stand mm -hmm. to lose weight but I mean, diabetes, I don't remember it being that common when I was in high school. And now it just seems like every other person I talk to has it. Um, and yeah, even people like that I know to do their best not to take in a lot of salt or to drink Diet Coke or to try and go keto or, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, I, know, I, do, I think that they're probably ingesting too much sugar um, based off of just some of the research I've done this week and thinking about. I never hear those people say I'm avoiding sugar specifically. They're always hmm. avoiding calories, fat, bread, right? So, I mean, again, that's speculation. Well, that, but... that goes back to, wasn't there a a time where the sugar lobby specifically, like like they created, um, they were this, this feeling of like fat, was yep. the enemy mm -hmm. and that sugar was okay. Yeah. And they, they absolutely knew it was like the tobacco thing where it was like, they, they were saying, yeah, it's good for asthma. So glad and then you it was like, yeah. yeah, instead. And it was like, no, actually you just, you just paid off a bunch of politicians to create this food pyramid that was, you know, and, and now they're looking at going like fat is good. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. fat is good, sugar yeah. bad. Right. But we literally for like 50 years were told the opposite, Correct. which is the conspiracy that like yeah. there really was a conspiracy to manipulate and brainwash the entire American population into thinking one thing was good to eat and the other thing was bad to eat. And all it had to do with was these sugar manufacturers making a lot of money yes. selling sugar. Yeah. As a matter of fact, 
when you I'm glad you brought up tobacco because they're kind of the poster child for like conspiratorial mass manipulation of the population trying to you know shade how bad their product is for your health um but actually the sugar industry's been at it for longer and way worse and <laughs> I think it's way worse they're for you. worse but the what's interesting is like they the tobacco industry actually garnered some tricks off of the sugar industry and like poached some of their marketing executives to come over mm. to tobacco to pull the same stunts. So sugar has been at this game longer than tobacco. That's interesting. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it didn't take long for me to find a lot of this stuff. It was interesting. Dude. It's yeah. It's weird when you think about it, especially with like the food pyramid, that that is a legitimate conspiracy. Yeah. That people colluded who were not doctors who worked for the ag department to develop a eating pattern that we would put into, you know, propaganda in yeah. every school all across this country to brainwash us mm -hmm. into thinking that we should be eating a certain way that they specifically knew was not good for you. And it was all motivated by money. Absolutely. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane. Um, we're talking about, and it's, it's, particularly tricky because lobbyists will do things like encourage the government and lawmakers to make the regulations for quote unquote, like dangerous foods. Like if I want to prove a food is dangerous, the standard is a certain level for me to be able to like mm -hmm. market as a do not eat this food. So while you can do a lot of research and find a lot of the stuff we're talking about, oh, sugar, you know, a lot of correlation between heart disease or diabetes or uh, inflammation or glaucoma. The standards are set in such a way that the FDA can say, well, we cannot verify this as a food associated with glaucoma, for instance, like because it doesn't fit the same criteria. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Yeah. So it's, um, so it on paper, you go, I mean, okay, I see the study and it does not meet the criteria that the FDA has got for foods that you should avoid. Um, but that doesn't mean it's not dangerous. It just means they learned how to manipulate the rules to where the, the language is such that sugar doesn't fall under that umbrella. Right. It also just illustrates how, like, we are just mouth-breathing sheep. Oh, Like, yeah. in so many ways. Yeah. And you just... I think the weirdest thing about becoming a conspiracy dad is like coming to terms with that mm -hmm. and like realizing, oh my God, like people actually believe uh, anything they're told. <laughs> and you could, you could just like make up all kinds of fantastical stories and people will just believe you, especially if you're in a piece, position of authority, you know? You ever heard the uh, concept of like, you know, you've got young kids and kids will just run out in the street or they'll talk to strangers and that sort of thing. And sometimes a psychologist will say, well, that's actually good. That means you raise them in an environment where their whole world is safe. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, which I, I think that's true. Um, if your kids are not afraid of strangers, like generally speaking, if they're friendly to other strangers, that's because you've kind of put them in a situation where to them, everybody they talk to is mm -hmm. generally pretty friendly to them and not a threat. Um, I think that by and large, since we live in a first world, you know, in the West, 
we're used to teachers and people of authority. Our our personal encounters with authority figures is pretty good, relatively speaking. I mean, like we're not under some kind of dictatorship. Yeah, compared to the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, and so it's easy for us to fall into that being sheep with news anchors and particularly with people like officials from government agencies like the FDA where this guy's wearing a tie, his hair is cut nice, and he says, hey, listen, we're paid by the government to make sure that you are safe, citizen, and don't worry about sugar. Matter of fact, why don't you enjoy sugar? It's not bad for you. It's <laughs> You can have sugar. And then we leave that exchange going, I mean, I trust that. He's not even a sales it's, guy. It's the government. He's a, he's a researcher. Yeah. He's not a sales it's guy. It's not business. Yeah. I, he, I pay him. So surely he's in working for my best surely. interest. Surely. It couldn't be that. It's a game. It couldn't be that the Sugar Association based in Washington, D.C. has anything to do with <clears throat> what that guy's telling me right now. Um, when you talk about being a conspiracy dad, uh, I came across a researcher named Kristen Kearns mm -hmm. who started out as a dentist and uh, early 2000s mid 2010 ish like 2007 she's at a dental conference <laughs> does she get started on fluoride uh no i she, she that's a whole nother podcast okay, yeah. we get into <laughs> um not too different than sugar though as far as the conspiracy I'll side bet. of it yeah um this so i, I want to get into the conflict this has caused for me because um because for one i love peanut m ms so there's a con there's a conflict of interests there because after we get done with this, I'm going home to have some. <laughs> um, but also, it ties in with other foods that I'm a big proponent for, but share a lot of the same practices. So hmm. I'm having like like a crisis in of intellectual integrity at this point. But Kristen Kearns was a dentist up until about 2007. She goes to this dental uh, conference. And one of the speakers hands out a pamphlet talking about tooth decay and sugar. Um, and then, but doesn't mention any other kind of like other problems that sugar introduces. She hmm. goes, okay, that's fine. Uh, but then like another speaker gets up, hands out another pamphlet and says, okay, this is a talk on foods that are, if you're on the go, so many of us are busy these days. Let's talk about fast foods that are okay to eat. And the one that caught her attention that had the green light was Lipton Brisk Tea. And it had like, your daily allotment of sugar is something like 44 grams. And this had more than that. Hmm. And she stopped the speaker like outside of the, in the lobby and was like, hey, do you, you know, the, the iced tea is on this, right? And he's like, uh-huh. She said, do you know how much sugar is? It's way more sugar than we're supposed yeah, to Yeah, yeah, it's like a Coke. And he kind of was like, it's good talking to you. I'll see you later. Bye. And so she... We're for Nestle, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. directly or indirectly, she... Well, the result of that conversation was she went and just took a deep dive and started finding all these documentations that were on, you know, like in old school library, hard copies of marketing papers from the 70s and, you know, sugar industry propaganda of... She kind of is getting to the bottom of how they are swaying the government into letting them get away with all of the things we're talking about. So um, in the show notes, I'm going to be sure to put a link to Kristen Kern's work because that's someone that had no interest in what we're talking about, was not into conspiracy theories. And kind of like myself with some of these other conspiracy theories, 
she starts seeing the trend and is like, well, we can't pretend that this isn't happening, right? Um, it's a, and she probably, it's a weird, like you're always kind of going back and forth. Like, is this a crazy person? Is this a nor like, you right. know what I mean? As far as an authority figure. And then I've always, to me, it's always like, if you can say, if this person isn't an authority, who is? Yeah. You know what I mean? And if yeah. you look, if you stop there and you go, well, I don't know, they're a dentist, they're qualified in this way, this way, and this mm -hmm. way. I mean, are they just nuts? I mean, it's the same thing with the UFO thing. When you look at like a Fravor and you just go like, is he an expert in what's in the sky or not? Right. If he is, which he is, I mean, who knows better? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. Back to the thing, even doctors are sheeple, even lawyers yeah, are sheeple. Absolutely. There's a lot of yeah. people that, uh, you know, are in positions of authority, but that doesn't mean that they do the research. And a lot of times I think they're just digesting or, you know, repeating information that they're given from the lobbyist mm -hmm. and from different, you know, organizations within medical and dental and whatever, but they doesn't mean that they've done the, the research. They haven't looked at any research. They're just repeating, well, the ADA said that we should yeah. do this and this is good. And you go, you're just trusting that the ADA is actually right. Totally, yeah. They could be wrong. You don't know. I heard a great comment from a politician. He was talking about lobbyists and he was saying like, I know that they are just considered generally evil, but you know, as a politician, I'm going from meeting to meeting no one has the bandwidth to pay attention to all of these different issues. So there is some value in what lobbyists do in terms of raising awareness for their particular issue. Um, but all that to say, to your point, yeah, a lot of these politicians that are voting on these bills for the requirements for banned foods from the FDA, they just got done talking to some lobbyists. They haven't thought about sugar for more than 30 minutes that morning and they're like, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, if you said sugar's okay, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah. We just give them too much power. Yeah. I but... mean, federally, I mean, it's just you know, Washington. I've heard it's like Washington is Hollywood for ugly people. And <laughs> it's just because you're on camera that does just because you're on camera doesn't mean you have any idea what you're talking about. But well, as same. Americans, we just assume that if you're beautiful and you're on camera Absolutely, or if you're, yeah. there's a microphone in front of you, yeah. uh, obviously you must know what you're talking about. Right. That is hilarious. Like, yeah. Like we, we, you bought these microphones just like anybody else could. But for some reason, when people are on a microphone on a screen, you're like, these guys know a lot. Yeah. So to button it up, what do people need to know about sugar? Eat way less eat way less uh really really generally speaking um like just shop in the produce aisle yeah whole... and pretty much everything else in walmart is not good for you right so like whole food sugar brown sugar is far better for you than refined white, white sugar like what a lot you know we talk about sugar i mean i'm sure we would if we looked into it the corn industry has got a lot of parallels here like corn syrup for instance, goes into that. So, um, yeah, I would say do some research, probably listen to Huberman or some doctor dude, but brown sugar, whole food sugar, fruits. So we're not actually <laughs> not giving you bears. any advice on yeah. this podcast because 
uh, we're dads and uh, there's only so much we can pay attention to, but we are saying sugar's bad. Sugar's sugar's bad. And just this being a conspiracy podcast, be aware that, like I said, I wanted to qualify all this with like uh, one of the podcasts I was listening to was a doctor. He does the podcast nonprofit. All the proceeds go to charity stuff. Um, and he was, he's like, sugar's bad, sugar industry, bad, bad, bad. And I'm listening to this, like this doctor rocks. He gives his money to charity and he doesn't like sugar. And he's like, and in my next episode, we're going to talk about the beef industry. And I was like, <laughs> whoa, <laughs> cause I'm a big proponent of red meat. And yeah. like, if you're going to only eat one thing, just eat steaks and just do that. Or like, if I'm going on like a diet diet, then I'll just eat ground beef and fruit um that may not be the best thing to do <laughs> um so i guess i say all that to say um this was an interesting dive into sugar for one but also like some of the other things i found along the way um are making me question like my thoughts on other things because this was one of the first times i went in with a few ideas of my own that I was feeling really like glad to have my biases confirmed. And then at the same time, I would hear points from the same person I was agreeing with that was con conflicting with stuff I thought. And I was like, ah, I don't know about this guy. Anymore. I think we can just establish though. It's just uh, way, we eat way too much sugar. I mean, Oh yeah. That's, that's not the issue. The answer of how much you should eat, what kind of diet you should be on. Um, that's for a smarter podcast. I don't know the answer, but is the point we would make is just yeah, it's another conspiracy that uh, these you know people people colluded to uh, tell us we should be eating stuff that we shouldn't be eating. The yeah, the takeaway for me was kind of back to your point of sheeple, and just because they're on a screen and have a microphone, yeah, you've got to do your own research and decide. When I got when I got into looking the, into it, to me that was the biggest visual when I started to realize what was healthy to eat. Uh -huh. And like, if you think about a grocery store, like oh, sure. a Walmart and somebody yeah. told me that like shop in the right. produce section, literally there's about 15% of most yeah. grocery stores. Yeah. So you say everything in here is actually decent and you could eat it, but almost 80, you know, 85% of everything else in that store, you really shouldn't eat. Right. I know that sounds extreme, but it's, if you're being a hundred percent honest, it's, you should eat, if you were going to eat it, you should eat very little of it. Mm -hmm. But when we go shopping, like, why do we even have all these aisles? You're going, you're going up and down and you can look around and go, none of this is good. Like, don't, don't eat right. any of this, yeah. you know, steak and salad and potatoes and, yeah. you know, all that, fr you know, real whole foods. Yeah. yeah. The way I think of it is just that eat an apple kind of caveman diet approach. Like, well, what were our bodies designed to eat? Fruit, nuts, meat. Yeah. No sugar. I say all of that. And then I'm a guy, I do, uh, I, I do fasting mm -hmm. and like, I actually, I do think that what you eat matters, but, um, I think how you eat it matters more than what you eat. And I think that our bodies can process a lot of garbage if you are fasting regularly, um, and not just like constantly okay. putting things on your yeah. organs. Um, are you saying, I mean, is the thinking that they, since your body is running on like fumes at certain points, it's pulling 
Yeah, after like, 16 hours of fasting, again, I'm not giving advice, but after 16 hours of fasting, your body starts to attack damaged cells within your body. Uh, so it literally okay. starts killing inflammation and okay. like regenerating, yeah. and you produce growth hormones that start to heal your body. So, you know, there's guys that eat, I basically eat a, a feast and famine diet. Mm -hmm. I'll eat just usually just one meal a day, and then the lights go out. <laughs> It's just, they're kicking us out, I guess. Yeah. But I eat one meal a day and I just eat uh, whatever I want. Yeah. But I'm only eating within a window of usually like five to like 10. Yeah. And then after that, I don't eat anything until the next. And um, it's worked for me, but I think uh, it did cut, just naturally cut down on my sugar sure. a lot. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I feel a million times better than I did before. So mm -hmm. anyway, well, they're kicking us out. So uh, yeah. Dave, thank you for joining me on this podcast. Thank you for listening, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, share. Uh, you know, the next one, I think we might tackle fluoride. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, there, I think just from the little bit that I got into, there are plenty of industries that it's America, buddy. Stuff. It's yeah. America. Capitalism. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Take care.